to me. RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Experts warn that the city needs more isolation facilities if mass testing is to work against the fifth wave. A food logistics expert says the government needs to do more to ease public fears about the food supply. And tensions rise over Ukraine as the International Paralympic Committee meets to decide whether to ban Russian athletes from the Winter Games. An infectious disease expert says a citywide testing exercise wouldn't be effective in ridding Hong Kong of COVID if there aren't enough facilities to isolate detected cases. The vice president of the Hong Kong Society for Infectious Disease, Wilson Lam, says testing everyone in Hong Kong can help pinpoint infections more quickly. But the city doesn't seem to have enough isolation facilities for the mass testing exercise planned for this month. He says officials can allow some patients to isolate at home, but there still should be enough isolation facilities ready. If we can't secure enough isolation facilities, doing citywide testing too early might not be too effective. Of course, there are other ways to make up for it. We can't really give up on finding cases early because having so many patients in the community will also let the situation snowball and extend the fifth wave. If we can find enough isolation facilities, we can do mass testing in March. And if we detect too many cases and can't isolate them all, can we do another large-scale testing exercise later on? Separately, a government advisor, Ivan Hung, says the mass testing exercise should be conducted in early or mid-April when the outbreak eases. The University of Hong Kong professor was speaking on a radio show. Doing mass testing at the beginning of the epidemic is of course the best, so you can cut all transmission chains. But if you miss this chance, another opportunity is when the outbreak subsides. Then it's easier to catch all infections and you can speed up the decline. Using this method, you might be able to achieve zero cases after one week. You will also need fewer isolation facilities if you do the mass testing in early or mid-April. HKU microbiologist Hopak Lung also says universal testing isn't urgent, unlike vaccination. He added that it's more practical to test everyone with rapid antigen tests, saying the sensitive PCR test will detect many people who've recovered and are no longer infectious. A food logistics expert says this week's panic buying shows a lack of trust in the system and insufficient communication from the government. Daisy Tam from the Baptist University's Department of Humanities told Vicky Wong that with 95% of Hong Kong's food imported, the government should have contingency measures in place if supplies were to be disrupted. She said it also needed to ensure its message got out to allay the public's fears. Calm means that we need to have an understanding of what is at stake, what are the possible uh, contingency measures, and how it is that the city is in- indeed securing our supply of fresh food. Professor Tam urged the public not to panic, saying food supplies were returning to normal. A geriatrician says the pandemic has spotlighted the staff shortages besetting the aged care home sector, pushing it to the brink of collapse. Jean Wu from the Faculty of Medicine at the Chinese University described plans to bring in temporary workers from the mainland as logical. She said the work was generally low paid and unattractive to locals and now had the stigma of care homes being infected with COVID. If they're unemployed, they can get a whole lot of benefits. So a lot of them would rather not do that. But but then there are people who um, 
who who care, uh, but they're in the minority. So we've always had this shortage because it's viewed as an attractive job. They don't want to do it. And particularly now, uh, there is this stigma of all care homes people are infected. You know, they might get infected. So with with that in mind, even fewer people would, would want to. Uh, work in that setting, even though they're unemployed. The Secretary for Security, Chris Tang, has returned to work after a seven-day quarantine at home. A bureau spokesman said Mr. Tang underwent rapid COVID tests yesterday and today. Both results were negative. The security chief originally had to undergo quarantine at home for two weeks after his wife and domestic helper contracted the disease. The Innovation and Technology Bureau says a secretary who works for Minister Alfred Sitt tested positive for COVID-19 in a rapid antigen test. A bureau spokesman said the secretary last met Mr. Sitt on Tuesday last week and had worn a face mask. He said the IT minister undergoes a rapid antigen test every day and all the results have been negative. Back to one of our, one of our top stories, the International Paralympic Committee is meeting in Beijing to decide whether to ban Russian athletes from the Winter Games, which start this week. The Russian team is already in China. More details from BBC's Eleanor Roper. As it stands, Russian athletes are due to compete at the Games under the Russian Paralympic Committee flag. This after earlier sanctions for state-sponsored doping saw Russia banned. Officials are now deciding whether they should be excluded from the Paralympics altogether. The International Paralympic Committee is under mounting pressure to follow a move by FIFA, banning the Russian football team from international competition. Ukrainian athletes, as well as the British Olympic Association, have called for Russia to be excluded from the event. If its team is allowed to compete, there are fears that other athletes will pull out. President Biden has led a standing ovation for the people of Ukraine in his State of the Union address. During his speech, he described the Russian President Vladimir Putin as a dictator who'd carried out a premeditated and unprovoked attack on Ukraine. To cheers from both Republicans and Democrats, he said his government was coming after the oligarchs who he said were propping up Mr. Putin's regime. We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for your ill-begotten gains. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. The war in Ukraine dominated Mr. Biden's speech, but he also addressed domestic concerns, saying that tackling inflation was his priority. Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, says China has offered to help mediate a ceasefire with Moscow. Mr. Kuleba said he had a constructive telephone discussion with his Chinese counterpart, Wang Yi. And the technology giant, Apple, has stopped sales of all its products in Russia. The BBC's James Clayton has more. Apple is the latest firm to have halted all product sales in Russia in a widening corporate backlash to the country's invasion of Ukraine. Apple doesn't generally like to put its head above the parapet when it comes to politics, making this move unusual and significant. Apple Pay and Google Pay are also being limited in Russia, both companies confirmed to the BBC. ExxonMobil has said it will discontinue operations in Russia and make no new investments in the country. American sportswear giant Nike paused sales in Russia on Tuesday. For many global brands, Russia has become toxic. And many Russians will begin to notice that products they used to buy simply aren't available anymore. 
British broadcasters have said they will stop working with and selling to Russian customers. The BBC will not make any new deals with Russian networks and has officially requested that Russian stations stop broadcasting two of its most popular series, David Attenborough's Green Planet and a local version of the Strictly Come Dancing program. An alliance of independent producers is joining the boycott. American plane maker Boeing says it's suspending its support for Russian airlines and its operations in Moscow. A Boeing spokesperson also said the group has temporary closed, temporarily closed its office in Kiev. The plane maker says it's suspending parts, maintenance and technical support services for Russian airlines. The World Bank and the International Monetary Fund have announced plans for a multi-billion dollar support package for the Ukrainian economy. Hundreds of millions in emergency funding could be approved within days. The international lenders have warned of continued disruption to financial markets and an increased commodity prices as a result of Russia's invasion. European financial regulators have shut down a subsidiary of the Russian state-owned firm Sberbank, which they say has suffered massive withdrawals in recent days. The Vienna-based bank has been declared insolvent. Depositors will be entitled to payments up to €100,000. Control of other Sberbank subsidiaries in Croatia and Slovenia have been transferred to local businesses. And in other news, residents of Australia's largest city, Sydney, have been told to brace themselves for possible flash floods as heavy rains that have caused havoc across eastern Australia move in. Torrential downpours have led to a record-breaking floods in recent days, trapping people on rooftops and killing at least 10. The BBC's Phil Mercer reports. Parts of Queensland have had almost six months' worth of rain in just two days. As the floodwaters rose to record levels in Lismore, north of Sydney, Lita Witham climbed onto the roof of her daughter's house. She was eventually rescued by volunteers in a boat. The thing that was so disturbing and that I keep reliving is the cries for help from all the other roofs while we were lying there too, praying for help. And then once we got on that rescue boat, we had to duck our heads to avoid the power lines, and all I could see was water. The storm system is moving south, prompting warnings for the country's biggest city, Sydney. Finance Now and Ukraine tensions have been having an impact on energy prices. Earlier, major industrial economies agreed on a coordinated release of oil stockpiles after crude oil prices topped 100 US dollars a barrel. The BBC's David Bamford reports. The International Energy Agency, representing the world's key industrial consumers, agreed to deploy 60 million barrels from its stockpiles to reassure global oil markets there will be no shortfall in supplies because of the Ukraine conflict. Half will come from the US Strategic Petroleum Reserve, with the rest from countries in Europe and Asia. Analysts say intervention was vital with the fuel market already disrupted by the aftermath of the pandemic, even before Russia's military intervention. Despite the measure, Brent crude broke above 110 U.S. dollars a barrel today, and WTI was up more than 5%. In stocks, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 22,536. That's 225 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $60 billion. And in currencies, the U.S. dollar will buy you 115.01 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 11 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 40 cents. In sport, and Tottenham are out of the English FA Cup. 
Antonio Conte's side lost 1-0 in extra time to second-tier Middlesbrough. Josh Coburn came off the bench to score for the home side on the 107th minute to put Middlesbrough through to the quarterfinals. Elsewhere, Riyad Mahrez and Jack Grealish provided the goals in Manchester City's 2-0 win at Peterborough. The Ukrainian international Alexander Zinchenko captain Man- the Captain Manchester City in this game. He took the armband in his first appearance since Russia's attack on Ukraine. Zinchenko and the Peterborough captain, Frankie Kent, held a Ukrainian flag together as they led the teams out at the start of the match. Crystal Palace beat Stoke City 2-1 at Selhurst Park. Jamie Vardy was the star in Leicester City's victory over Burnley in the English Premier League. Vardy came off the bench in the second half to set up James Madison's opening goal at Turf Moor. He then scored one himself to give Leicester a 2-0 win. Vardy says it's good to be back after missing games due to an injury. Nah, to come back, knew I was going to get on towards the end just to give the legs a little run and to be involved in, in both goals to, to obviously get the win. It's very good. No, we, did, we didn't know how long it was going to be. The, the gaffer mentioned that he'd, he'd get me on the pitch at some point and then just mentioned at half-time, give it to probably last 20, seeing where the game is and... That's why it worked out. So, like I said, come on, try to make that impact, which we managed to do, and we'll take the three points. A win just about deserved, you feel, overall? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we knew it was going to be tough. We knew they were they were going to be putting the defence under a lot of pressure, and I think you've seen with how we've stood up to it, especially at set-piece, I think, today. I think we defended really well. So, now overall, lads have done brilliant, and I think we deserve the win. Leicester City boss... Brendan Rodgers was happy to see a good performance by his team away from home. We could have maybe had a couple more goals. The keepers made two, three amazing saves in the evening. So, um, But yeah, I, th- I think second half was better. We could sustain the attacks up in their half more. And then, of course, when you have to defend, like everyone will tell you when you come here to Burnley, a tough team to play against. And uh, so to come away from here with a clean sheet was really important. Burnley had a chance to climb out of the relegation zone, but this latest defeat keeps them in the bottom three. Here's their manager, Sean Desch. We overall just weren't where we have been. Um, I've been asked a lot of these players, um, you know, physically as well. But that's the first one we've come away from in eight, so I don't want to be too critical because we've had a, a really strong run. Uh, performances, not just results. So I've got to remember that, um, you know, but there was a few off the mark tonight. I mean, generally, like I say, it wasn't about either or, you know, defensively attacking, just not where we have been. Uh, the feel of the performance wasn't quite right, um, and we're good at that lately. Um, we didn't get our pressing lines as clear. Um, you know, not that dominant feel that we've had in, in the the way we pressed the game um, and when we've got the ball we just play too slowly you know didn't play forward enough just play too slowly play backwards too many times and didn't ask enough questions in the weather fine and warm this afternoon apart from some relatively low visibilities in some areas it'll be mainly cloudy tonight and the outlook cloudier tomorrow and warm during the day with some mist in the morning and at night over the weekend there'll be one or two rain patches on monday morning before becoming fine during the day it'll be cool and the temp- temperature is 25 degrees Relative humidity, 66%, and that's the news from RTHK. Drums, please! Here it is, a groove slightly transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. 
Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back cause it's summertime. And checking out the fellas to tell them who's best Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos Or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's Back in Philly we be out in the park A place called the Plateau is where everybody goes Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes She turn around to see what you beeping at It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac And with a pen and pad I compose this rhyme To hip you and to get you equipped for the summertime Definition of summer madness. Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Sadia Osmani. My thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And today on the program, after 1.30, 
we open up JJ's music box to feature another leading global singer who has made their mark in their country, region, era and genre. Today, Jayang Javeri takes us to Cape Verde in Africa to give us an insight into the life and music of Cesaria Evora. After 2pm, Cruz McCallaghan is here for her weekly audio column. This week, her subject of discussion is noses. So that is all coming up in the next between now and 3pm. So I hope you're going to join me.